live and pre-recorded. This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. I am Brian Buckley. This is being recorded on July 23rd to hit the internet on July 24th. You can always follow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13 and listen to the show at iTunes, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, and Stitcher, or RedTicketBlues.com. Enough of the whoring. So, how's everyone doing? How was your weekend? Father's Day? All of that garbage? No, it was good. I saw my father. My brother was here and with his girlfriend. We went to see me. My aunt had a anniversary party. Uh, I got to see a lot of family members. Got to see my cousins who live in my cousin and his and her husband who live in Oregon who just love the show. Coast to coast, red ticket blues. What? All right, boy. Summer is also upon us. My God, it's so it's hot as balls outside. Nice little squall on us today here in the Northeast. They come on you fast and they leave you fast, but it was pouring, absolutely pouring, and it is still hot and muggy and just downright uncomfortable, sweating on every orifice of my body. Too much information. Uh, let, let's we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of things today. About that. Uh, some things don't even have anything to do with sports. I figured we'd do a little hodgepodge of uh, information here. We'll uh, discuss Pete Rose. And his bid to get into the Hall of Fame and how that's been derailed significantly after some news the other day. We'll talk about the debate going on in the country. It's been going on for a while, but it's picked up steam because of the tragic events in Charleston, South Carolina. Nine people murdered the Confederate flag. The Confederate flag. Controversial red ticket blues. We'll, we'll discuss that. We'll discuss uh, rap mogul. Sean P. Diddy Combs in jail. Not the first time, but he is being held. Well, he's no longer being held in jail. He posted bond, but arrested with a felony. Uh, and we'll we'll also get into the uh, home run catching douchebag fan. Uh, what, Jesus, I don't even have his name in front of me. The gentleman who caught Alex Rodriguez's three thousandth hit, which ended up being a home run. He is a connoisseur of catching home runs. That's his thing. Yeah, that's his thing. And he's written books about it. He's, he, I, I, hey, I think some people don't like him. They're a little jealous. They wish they got home runs. But he, he's also kind of uh, can rub you the wrong way quite, quite significantly. We'll start. We'll start with Pete Rose. And earlier this week, outside the lines, ESPN publication obtained copies of betting notebooks from a former mob-associated bookie. And before we get into the details of those, uh, those that spiral notebook, Pete Rose, for the longest time, he was banned in 1989 for betting on baseball by then-Commissioner Bartlett Giamatti, the father of actor Paul Giamatti. He was accused of betting on baseball. He said for 15 years he never bet on baseball. In 2004, he admitted admitted he bet as a manager. Okay? He did not bet as a player. But this spiral notebook says different. It says that in 1986, it's copies of of a notebook that have long been known to exist, but publications have been trying and trying and trying to get them, and now they have them. In 1986, July of 1986, it showed that Pete Rose bet on a Major League Baseball team for 30 days in the month of July 2086. 2086. Boy, he, he's, he's even taken bets in the future. 
He took the DeLorean. 1986, 21 of those games involved the Cincinnati Reds, a team he was playing and or managing. Uh, Now, there's no evidence that he actually bet against the Reds. However, he did break the record, the record, the rule, rule number 21, which he was quite aware of from the beginning. What is rule 21? Any player, umpire, or club, or league official, or employee who shall bet any sum whatsoever upon any baseball game in connection with which the better has a duty to perform shall be declared permanently ineligible. Permanently ineligible. Now, some may say, hey, who cares? He never bet on his team to lose. Pete Rose, a gentleman who 4,256 hits by far the most hits in Major League Baseball history. He was betting with the mob. And when he was arrested, when he was banned, he was it was he was accused, he was thought to have be in a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Now, if he can't make those payments, what do you think the mob wants him to do? They want him to be more brazen. He'll say he'll do more things he has control over, like the Cincinnati Reds. Does anyone really not see this? I don't understand the Pete Rose supporters. He bet on baseball, a clear rule. What is your defense for that? He does not belong in the Hall of Fame. He should be banned forever, like I said in a previous podcast. You know why he should be banned? For that reason, and it's a deterrent. Tell me all the other gambling scandals we've had since then. Not one. There was one guy accused of, uh, I think a few months ago, ironically, now that I say that, but nothing came of it. No scandal. Not one. That is a deterrent which is what they should do with guys taking steroids. Ban them. You'll see it drop. You'll see it drop. Some of oh, the game may get more boring. Yeah, we're seeing that right now, unfortunately. I think we we were a little greedy with what we had before. Home runs flying out of, there, out of the park, offense out of the ass. But this is the way it's supposed to be done. And Pete Rose belongs nowhere near the Hall of Fame. Let him set up his RV or whatever he does in Cooperstown. Let him set up his autograph stands. I remember seeing as a kid, wow, him actually trying to make money on I did not bet on baseball. Pete Rose signed on a baseball at a card shop. And I'm sure a lot of you saw it too. I mean, is this really that shocking? Slimy degenerate gambler reveals he's still a slimy degenerate gambler. I just don't get the people who think that he belongs anywhere near that Hall of Fame. He broke the rules. There is no explanation. There is no comeback to that. And I, from what I know, uh, I think the only comment from Pete Rose since this report has come out that is that he uh, he's aware of the, the notebook and the allegations, but I don't think there were any actual comments. Now, I'm sure Pete will make comments, and he'll go to anyone who will listen to these comments. But this... Pretty much puts the nail in the coffin. He recently applied for reinstatement with newly appointed MLB Commissioner Rob Manford, but you got to think that is dead on arrival at this point. Uh, pretty damning evidence that Pete Rose is not a good guy and has broken baseball's cardinal sin. Don't bet on baseball. All right, so let's move on. Uh, God, I am drinking today. We could take the paper bag off. Christ Almighty. Um, I'm drinking today a Coors Light Tallboy, real white trash shit. Speaking of white trash, let's start this Confederate flag talk. So the Confederate flag has been in the news lately with the tragic killing 
of nine innocent churchgoers in Charleston, South Carolina last week. The pictures have been revealed of the shooter. I'm not going to say his name. I don't even want to glorify a fucking person's name like that that does something like that. He actually, I mean, to, to, you gotta be a, you gotta be a sick person to kill in the first place, kill nine people, and to pray with people for an hour before slaughtering them. There were pictures that came out with him posing. You know, the, these 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 lone wolves. They like to uh, take pictures of themselves. I don't know, maybe to glorify themselves in their own minds uh, to accentuate their purpose. Who knows? But the Confederate flag has made appearances in those photos and it sort of has become a rallying not a rallying that's the wrong word but it's sort of been it's been associated a dark association with this tragic shooting and it was brought to the attention it's it's not with this just incident this 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 uh debate has been going on for a long time that the confederate flag hangs at the government the, the governor the the municipal governor's building in south carolina it hangs. And when these people, these churchgoers, these innocent churchgoers were slaughtered, the state flag and the American flag were at half-mast, while the Confederate flag flow, flew high at not at half-mast. To break that down for all the simpletons, including myself. Uh, so then we started thinking, a lot of people started thinking, why is this here in the first place? Why does this belong here? This is a relic. This is something that's old. It's not a part of our life anymore. Now, it, I'll tell you, it has no purpose. It is the... You know, I know it means different things to different people. Some people will say it's, uh, it represents hate. Others will say it represents heritage, history. I mean, I tend to fall on the side that it's hate. Uh, and I know there's probably people in the South or who don't agree with me thinking, you're just a liberal northern Yankee. You know nothing, boy. Okay? Nothing. What do you know? About electricity and silverware and napkins. Fancy boy. But even if it doesn't represent hate to you, it represents a treasonous failed rebellion on our country. Why is we why are we still acknowledging this? This is a failed attempt to overthrow the government and it is still flying high. Forget the slavery part, which is bad as it is, because I mean most people will say it represents history. Yeah, history of owning black people of treating them terribly, of thinking slavery is a normal thing in everyday society. Some may not agree with what I'm saying. Again, I'm just a northern liberal Yankee, above the Mason-Dixon line. What do you know? I know that it is a way of life there. That flag in the south is a way of life. I see it in the north sometimes in the back of people's trucks, or a t-shirt, which I still don't understand. They probably lived in Connecticut their whole lives, too. I don't know. But it I don't, uh, there is uh, the knee-jerk reaction you do see nowadays when stuff like this happens that eBay now will no longer sell or allow people to sell the Confederate flag. Walmart will no longer carry the flag. Now, as much as I think it is a bad thing, and it does not, be, I'll say this, it does not belong near any government agency, any public area, but you can't start banning things. Banning things. Yo, controversial. Contra you can't start banning things. You know who banned things? The Nazis. The Nazis banned things. They burned books because they didn't like the book. I mean, I remember there was a guy in Connecticut actually a few years ago who kept flying his Nazi flag outside his house. I'll say this. I don't want to live next to that guy. And if he gets any shit from people, he definitely deserves it because he's egging people on. But he has a right to. This is America. You can't just ban things. 
No, I'm sure eventually you'll Walmart will probably start selling the flag again. eBay, maybe they'll stick to their guns. But I don't know anyone. I mean, it, it, even if you don't see the racist part of it, just just acknowledge it is a failed rebellion from 150 years ago. Move on. You lost. The South, pretty sure, will not rise again. And if it does, we'll have a new flag. Okay, so, I am, I am just, I'm soaking through this shirt. Absolutely soaking. Okay, so, I talked about my weekend this week. My weekend last weekend. Weekend, weekend, weekend. Say it as many times as you can. Bring home the point. No, I talked about my weekend, uh, and on Sunday, after I had breakfast with my family, my father, I had a lot of grandiose plans, and what happened was, I, well, what happened was, I didn't do any of them, and I fell into my unfortunate, seems to be a tendency the last few Sundays, and that is getting stuck in a seemingly endless loop of the television show Bar Rescue on Spike TV. Now, if you're not familiar with Bar Rescue, uh, it's completely ridiculous, most likely staged, and so dumb, for lack of a better term. Bar Rescue is very similar to Kitchen Nightmares by Gordon Ramsay, where he will go to a uh, kitchen, he will see how terrible it is, he'll yell at them, he'll build it back up, and... Uh, you know, the restaurant becomes amazing. They leave in bliss. Kumbaya. Complete nirvana. So Bar Rescue, let's break it down here. Now, taking the place of Gordon Ramsay is the John Taffer. John Taffer is, uh, well, he's he's made bars amazing for the last 30 years. He tells us every time. Apparently he was involved in this Sunday NFL ticket, too, the creation of it. But he's very impressed with himself. He's very loud. He, he's almost like a cartoon with all his facial expressions. But every show has the same setup. Now, first, recon. So they're, they're called by these people. They say, Taffer, please help us. So he sends in two spies. They go in. The food is always awful. They, they order food. They order, order drinks. The food is terrible. The drinks are terrible. Usually the people in the bar are completely out of control, drunk, or unattentive, just being bad employees. Now, here's another thing. They've set up, quote-unquote, hidden cameras in the bar, which would make you think, if there are hidden cameras there, you'd probably want to be on your best behavior. But no, they seem to let their worst behavior out. So it's a very interesting dynamic to the show. And what does he do? Taffer looks at it on, like, an iPad in his truck from the uh, hidden cameras. He gets increasingly angry, and he sits there with his cook that he brings in and his mixologist. Many times a mixologist is Russell Adams, who is highlighted as a 2012 bartender of the year. I don't know what he did in 2013, 14, or if he's up for the running for 15, but I want to know where those bartenders are because Russell Adams seems to have the game on lock. So what happens next is Taffer comes in, screams at everyone, tells everyone how awful it is and why they're losing money and how he vows to change it. Many times the owners are very resistant and reluctant, which really boggles the mind seeing they called him in the first place. And he says, we got a lot of work to do. Uh, he usually goes through the bar, the kitchen, throws some things, screams, lots of swearing. Uh, Look at the filth in here! Look at the filth in like here! That. And he says, 
We're coming back tomorrow. We're going to fix it. So what they do is they have the cook come over and you like this Reader's Digest version of Bar Rescue? If you haven't seen the show, it's completely insane. And every Sunday it seems to be on from 12 to 12. So you could probably fit an episode in. And he, the, the cook shows him about two or three dishes that are pretty simple that any moron could go on the internet and make. And the cook is completely astounded by the, 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 the just amazing meal that's been made in front of them. I don't know what the hell they were making before if it was slop on a plate. But and then they they show these drinks to the the, the bartenders and they're pretty simple and they're always including a brand name that they have to highlight. It has to be Smirnoff. It can't just be vodka, it has to be Smirnoff vodka. And they say, hey, we're gonna have a stress test tonight. So let's from what you've learned, let's see what we can do. They bring in nine million people to the bar, which a bar that usually doesn't have any. Obviously, it goes terrible. Taffer yells at everyone. He tells everyone to shut it down. He eggs on the people there that don't have any drinks and food. Talks about how terrible it is. Basically, makes the people look stupid. He screams, yells. It's his thing. And what happens the next day is what they do is. Or, or, Man, did I did I mess it up? Do they do the, the the creation stuff afterwards, or do they do it before? Who cares? But then what he does is much like Gordon Ramsay, they redo the place. They completely redo it, a different theme. Sometimes they, they just give it a nice touch up. And Taffer comes in, smiles. He loves everyone now. He was just screaming at everyone, wanting to fight them before, but now he loves everybody. He says, "Hey, everyone, take a look at this. Wow, look what I did. Look what I did. I'm John Taffer." And we're ready for showtime. Let's go. So then they bring a... It's another stress test. And amazingly, these people who could barely walk and chew gum and do anything at the same time together are amazing employees. It's boom, Taffer magic. It's it's truly remarkable what he does. And he always walks out in the middle of the successful service and says, you guys are doing a great job here. You're going to make it. My, my work is done. And then he walks out looks at everyone, then walks out, looks at the new building, is saying, look what I created, I'm amazing, and then walks away. And obviously, it's always a success story. Even though I go on the internet, yes, the internet, and I look at these places afterwards, many of them fail. I never see any updates. At least in Kitchen Nightmares, they failed sometimes. But that's Bar Rescue, and that's sort of taken over my life. Uh, It's so predictable. It's the same thing every time. Taffer gets so angry. How could he be that angry all the time? He's so pissed off. Whew. I don't know. But I urge you to at least check it out. And you'll probably watch it once and say, wow, that was the dumbest thing I've ever watched. And if it's a marathon, you'll probably watch the second one and say, God, this show's stupid. Next thing you know, it's 8 o'clock and you're getting ready for, for Monday morning. Well, a little later than 8 o'clock. I'm... So, Sean Combs, known as Puff Daddy, Puffy, Diddy, many names, arrested the other day, on the 22nd, actually, yesterday, meaning, yeah, Monday, Monday, arrested for attacking UCLA coach Sal Alosi, strength and conditioning coach, who was sort of riding his son. His son is a redshirt junior on the team, and for whatever reason, uh, Mr. Combs is at the practice. I guess he's one of those super dads that has to go to the practice and observe. And apparently Alosi, who was suspended from the NFL, he was the Jets' strength and conditioning coach. If you remember a few years ago, as a opposing player was running out of bounds, he stuck his hip out and knocked the player down and was on video. And he was suspended. I think he was fired as well. But he said to Puffy's son, Diddy's son, 
I don't care if your dad's here. This is UCLA. I'm going to treat you just like everyone else. Puffy did not like that. He uh, got into his face, tried to hit him with a kettle drum. Uh, I didn't really know what a kettle drum was before this happened, I'll be completely honest. And he attempted to hit him with a kettle drum, which is a large metal thing. Could do some serious damage, we'll put it that way. He was being held in a UCLA campus jail for an amount of time yesterday. Suspicion of assault with a deadly weapon, which was eventually upgraded to a terroristic threat, which runs a maximum of 40 to 100 years in prison. Now, we all know Sean Combs is not going to prison at all, and he's certainly not going for 40 to 100 years. Well, that should have been the way other way around. Um, he was released on a $160,000 bond, although some are saying 50000 That really wasn't uh, established. Now, think about this, though. Sean Combs, you are a rap mogul. He's probably close to a billionaire if he isn't. He's 45 years old now. Isn't this behavior? I mean, he's had his issues in the past with the shooting in the club when he was with J-Lo. He hit somebody over the head with a champagne bottle, I remember. You know, you'd think at this age now, we'd we'd lay back from this sort of stuff. But, I mean, it's got to be quite humbling for someone like that who's been at the top of the world uh, to be sitting in a UCLA campus chair. That that's that's gotta really uh, that's really gotta humble you. You gotta think what's on your mind. What, what are you what are you doing? So I haven't really heard much from him lately. He's uh, he told us many many years ago, ten years from now he'll still be on top. But I don't think he's on top anymore. Although I'm not in the rap game like I used to be in high school. But Puffy, grow up. That's my two cents. You know it really grinds my gears. Uh, and we'll end today with now Alex Rodriguez. Got his 3,000th hit. Good for him. And the ball, it ended up being a home run. And it was caught by a professional foul ball douche, or home run douche, Zach Hample, who has written several books on how to catch foul balls, home runs, how to get it. I guess he's caught in thousands of them. Caught in, caught thousands of them. And he caught it. And he sort of was holding it for ransom. He said, I'm not giving it back at all. And he has that right. If he doesn't want to give the ball back, you know, don't give the ball back. Don't keep appearing on all the, the these these news stations and then talking about how he may give the ball back. He's not sure. He wants some demands from the Yankees. You know, he also... Then I saw him tweet at A-Rod today saying, Hey, A-Rod, I'm the guy who caught your ball. Why don't you follow me back? It would really be really be important. Well, you just go away. If I caught the ball, I, I don't know what I'd do. I'd, I'd want to say I'd give it back to Alex Rodriguez, but I don't know if that's possibly... I don't know if that's complete truth. If what I do is I'd sell it, but I want to make a big deal out of it. I want to be peering on and all sorts of media outlets saying I have the ball and what I'm going to do with it and how great I am and check out my book. Self-promoter alert. Don't you hate self-promoters? At BrianBuck13 on Twitter. But you got to think, what's, what, is, what is his motivation here? He doesn't want to sell the ball. He just wants to stay in the news with the ball. This is a baseball, by the way. And I, you see people rip him apart, rip him apart on Twitter and on, and on the internet and message boards and whatnot. Like I said in the opening, I think a little bit has to do with jealousy. Everyone wants to get a foul ball. I don't know what it is. Now, I've caught in a foul ball. I kind of remember it. July 30th, 2006, Kyle Farnsworth, Carl Crawford, eighth inning. I mean, faintly, faintly I remember it. 
but, but people go to the stadium and they obsess over foul balls. You see grown men jumping for foul balls. So I think a lot of the hate comes from that. People falling all over seats, doing whatever they can to get a baseball they can buy at Walmart for $5. I guess there is something to catching the foul ball. I mean, it was a great moment to have Yankee Stadium cheering for me because it was a great catch. I'll never forget it. Some people are obsessed with that sort of stuff and they can't let it go. They need help. I don't know. Zach uh, Hample, that's his name. Maybe, maybe we'll have him a guest on the podcast sometime. He can tell us what his motivation is. Why he wants to, he wants to continue to stay in the news to be that foul ball, foul ball douche guy. NBA draft uh, coming up this Friday. Seems to be a lot of news, a lot of trades that might happen. That should be interesting. I'm sure the Knicks will do something that will set their franchise back. Maybe getting Willie Cauley-Stein. I was saying this on Twitter earlier. Willie Cauley-Stein from Kentucky really strikes me as the kind of guy who will get fat, out of shape, and not want to play and be a disagreeable player. I don't know why. I just get that feeling. I think it's because he's not really skilled in anything. He's a really great athlete and maybe not the best basketball player. Maybe just get the, the get, get the money and live the life, right? Brian, he is 19 years old, too, so. I know, I know, it's hard to... You get on these guys, they're young, they're just living their life. I just imagine myself trying to do serious things and taking the game seriously and everything at 19 and 20 years old when everyone's telling you you're the best all the time. It's easy for us to criticize as fans, but God, just putting myself in that spot. Hopefully I'd act better knowing so much was on the line, but I can't answer that for sure. So that's the podcast at Brian Buck 13 on Twitter. You can always follow the show uh, and listen to the show at tw- at Twitter. You're not going to find the show there. Um, you can listen to the show on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and YouTube. Did I say that? RedTicketBlues.com. Leave a rating on any of those sources if they allow you. And subscribe so you never miss a show. Okay? All right. Thank you. So with that being said, I'm out of here.